Well, two things that might help inflation. Weaker jobs growth, and we'll take slower wage pressures. That would be nice too. And more oil. OPEC has agreed to pump more, but is it enough to really tackle inflation? Anyway, it's too little too late to slow down the Fed, it seems. That is why today we have equity markets positive and bond markets a bit nonplussed. And we've got non-farm payrolls tonight. That'll give us a swag of new figures as well. It's Friday, the 3rd of June, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, it's been another day demonstrating the violent swings that can happen across all asset classes, particularly equities, which were well down yesterday. Today, though, well, the Nasdaq is up 2.7%. It closed this morning. The S&P 500 is up 1.5%. The Dow is up 1.3%. We've got rises in Europe as well, up 1% for the Eurostox 50 and for the DAX. Closed uh, in the UK because uh, they're doing royal stuff today. Not much movement in bonds, though, at least in the US. 10-year Treasury is up one basis point on fairly narrow trading today, two years. Years. haven't moved much either. Whereas in Europe, German and French 10-year bond yields are up five basis points, more than that in most of Southern Europe. And oil is rising higher today, 1.7% for WTI, 1.5% for Brent. Brent is at $118 now. Uh, the US dollar has fallen fairly sharply as well. It's down three quarters of 1% on the DXY, with the Aussie up 1.3%, the euro up 0.9%, the pound up 0.7%. So I'm not entirely sure why the markets have taken the direction they have today. Let's talk about it with NAB's Ken Crompton in Sydney. Well, I guess I can take a bit of a guess. I mean, it looks like equity markets are buoyed by this news around OPEC producing more oil, even though, you know, it hasn't kept the price of oil down today. And bond markets are having none of it. They still expect that the Fed is going to carry on regardless. So uh, two different directions from the same set of data. Is that a fair summation, do you think, today, this morning? I'd say that's pretty fair, Phil. There's certainly some um, sort of conflicting forces at, at play in, in the news overnight, but none of them particularly strong for the for the most part, really. It, it, it must be admitted, I guess, hence why um, Treasuries have largely sat it out and, uh, and, and, and drifted sideways. A little bit of steepening at, at the ultra long end of the curve. You can find some technical reasons for that in, in maybe some of the corporate results where there might be some ultra-long bond issuance next week. But... Um, but really, the only sort of major news development really, um, really did come out of those um, that, that OPEC Plus meeting with the, with that decision to um, to increase and, and pull forward their their production increases by about two hundred fifty thousand barrels a day. Yeah, that's right. But the, the bad news on that was Russia is going to be part of that quota, so uh, they can up their output. But Europe and the US, the European part of it, the Russian part of it, Europe and the US won't be buying any of it. But I guess. You know, we assume that's going to be a portion of it. The Saudis are going to produce much, uh, much more, and uh, well, hopefully, it's going to keep prices down. But it's not happened today. No, that's sort of been the the sting in the tail of of that whole development. Uh, there was a sort of early reports on that uh, came out yesterday during our time zone, and initially that did help uh, Brent, you know, sort of sell off from around one sixteen down down to one. $112, but uh, as you noted in the open, we've ended up back around 117 already. As the details came out and there was that uh, that sting about, about Russia still being involved, and then also at the same time, there was further confirmation around what the EU was was thinking in terms of its uh, of, of its sanctions on on Russian oil. A few more details around that, and and markets and analysts have sort of viewed the viewed the net change as probably being you know, not that significant. So those European sanctions have have landed you know sort of roughly where we've been talking about um, with an exemption for uh, you know for for cargo coming in via um, via pipelines, and then also at the same time um, there was sort of a few more details around this proposed. Um, sort of insurance sanction on 
ships carrying Russian Russian oil as well. So there, there was another factor that um, that just sort of took away any possible mm. uh, significant upside you'd, you'd kind of um, get from from the supply increase. Yeah, and look, it's not a huge increase. I think it represents about 0.4, 0.5% of global uh, demand. So it's no panacea, is it, when it comes to fighting inflation? Exactly. But I think also there's quite a drawdown on inventories, wasn't there? Uh, and so that's, uh, that's what's uh, impacted uh, the price of oil uh, in the last few hours or so. Uh, but anyway, whatever it is, it's not going to stop the Fed... Uh, uh, they're not letting go. 50 basis points for the next two meetings, at least. In fact, Leo Brainard uh, has been saying as much. And beyond that, it's, you know, it's unlikely that they're going to stop then. It's, uh, you know, September and beyond. Yeah, there had been a, a bit of a building sort of an in- interpretation in the market that, that although the next two 50s, um, sort of in June and July were definitely locked in that the September meeting might see a, a bit of a pause. But um, but, but, but certainly Brainard um, did, did, hold the, did hold the torch to that overnight. I mean, the sort of incremental moves that have managed to sort of appear in markets haven't been much. I mean, to be honest, I mean, there's still 40 basis points priced for, for that September meeting anyway. So, you know, it, it, it's not as if the, the market is pricing, you know, the Fed to um, Fed to pause post-July. And you're still looking at pricing of, a, of an implied cash rate in the US by, you know, 2, 2.8% at year end, which is still well into that zone of you know, neutral that a lot of Fed members have been talking about. So, um, yeah, a little bit of incremental um, I- incremental pressure there, but um, but at, at the margin, it hasn't sort of moved things too much overnight. Yeah, it is curious though, isn't it? The equity is still going up. I mean, we had the the curious thing that uh, Microsoft uh, announced a, a a profit downgrade. Then immediately they were saying it's largely because of the strength of the US dollar. Uh, and you know the fact that repatriating money from from overseas is going to be less than expected because of the strength of the US dollar, but uh, but the markets you know I mean Microsoft is actually up today, uh, even though it's an unusual times when you can downgrade your forecast and you see your share price go up. But equity markets don't seem phased by anything at all, do they? As, as though they are expecting you know we're going to get some good news around the corner somewhere sometime. Maybe, and I mean you, you did sort of mention um, you know pay, payrolls briefly before and. Um, I guess the we've had a little bit of a lead into that overnight with some of the some of the some some data from um, from ADP and that did come in much weaker than expected. Um, now I guess just like extending you know market narratives um, you know sort of too torturously to one night's actions, it's similar with the ADP payrolls. In in, in the short term, that's considered a, you know a reasonably unreliable indicator of what the payroll sprint that month will be, um, but. Obviously, a, you know, a soft print there um, isn't isn't sort of super encouraging. I mean, playing against that though, we did get jobless weekly jobless claims out of it yeah. as well. They've dipped absolutely, they've, and so they they are falling. So we've got less jobs and less claims. That is a very confusing picture. Yeah. So um, so yeah. So that, that they've dropped a bit. I mean, within the sort of margin of margin of sort of volatility that survey is not not significant, but um, but it had been starting to, to maybe trend upwards. So the fact that that's stabilised is. Is positive, and I guess you know tonight. I think consensus is still sitting around three twenty-five k for for payrolls. But um, you know the the interesting thing there is going to be you know sort of where earnings is is sitting. That's been um, sort of in in year on year paces. That that's been running a little bit above five percent. You know there was a brief uh, scare in the uh, in the earnings series a, a, a couple of months ago, which which quickly disappeared. But um, but obviously that that's going to be the the sort of key input for the. For the Fed, with the unemployment rate, you know, potentially pushing you know, fifty plus year lows, it's, it's interesting to see where this is all going, isn't it? Because because uh, the, the, some numbers out of the National Federation of Independent Business says more than half of small business owners had op, uh, job op, jobs open that they couldn't fill. More than half. 
so you know that that points to a tighter labour market, doesn't it? So that's contrary to those ADP numbers of so those companies that are saying that they're having difficulty filling jobs still. But then the ADP numbers also showed that the uh, small businesses, so those people are saying having difficulty filling jobs, are the ones who are losing jobs. Uh, you know, the, most of the, the two thirds of the job losses since February have come from companies with less than 20 people in them. So it's as though people are saying, well, we'll go and work for bigger companies because they might give us a better uh, a better salary. And so maybe that's part of the wage inflation that we've been seeing. Mm. Uh, many parts to this, aren't there? Yeah, it, 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 it's a complex picture. And, I mean, you can sort of see that in um, in the way the RBA is sort of having to to try and analyse the the, um, yeah, the 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 wages and jobs market in Australia, you know, sort of changing the emphasis on the on the wage indicators they like to look at, um, because things like the WPI are, are going to be more aligned with um, people getting wage increases in you know in existing jobs, whereas some of those sort of higher frequency and, and GDP measures are, are starting to show sort of a different pace of increase, and that's one reason why they've had to to switch yeah. focus. Now uh, into June, of course, that means the Fed. Uh, are, well, I don't know whether they would call this quantitative tightening. It's not really. They're just not renewing bonds as they mature. So, I mean, the balance sheet will reduce very slowly. Maybe they'll do it faster d- down the track. Um, we don't quite know the speed at which they'll do that. But even with just uh, this, you know, non-renewal of maturing bonds, is that going to have any impact on, you know, as they sell effectively, it's pushing bonds back onto the open market? What's what's that going to do to to rates? Or is it is it too small and too slow to make much difference just yet? It's Probably in that category at the moment, um, a, a little bit too modest to, to sort of anticipate you know, changes in, in price action in the short term. Um, I mean, what it does, it, it's coming amidst a time where the Treasury has been you know, scaling back issuance. You know, the sort of US fiscal position is, is running fairly strong. The Treasury's very short term borrowing, so Treasury bills, they've been dramatically decreasing their use of those over the past um, you know, over the past couple of quarters, and that, that's been enabled by very strong you know, tax receipts. But the Treasury bills sort of play an interesting you know, sort of lubrication function almost in, in, in some of the short-term money markets. So if you've got those being, being supply of those that are being cut back at the same time, you've now potentially got, um, got sort of term Treasury debt um, sort of in, in increasing on the, on the back of QT. The, the, dynamic, the dynamics there could, um, could set up a bit of a crunch point a little bit further down the track, but it's, it, it's a little bit too soon to, to see at the moment. I mean, One to watch, though. Yeah. 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 All right. Now, Australia's trade balance, uh, that was the surprise number yesterday, wasn't it? Because it's widened up to $10.5 billion Aussie dollars, which is more than NAB had predicted, and NAB was quite a bit ahead of the consensus. So we had a big rise in exports, uh, but quite a fall in imports as well. So I'm not sure, is that good news or is that bad news? I mean, we'll take the good news that uh, we've got a stronger balance of trade, because obviously that helps GDP, but if, uh, a fall in imports, does that say something about consumption? Uh, and if it does say something about consumption, is that good news or is that bad news? If we're consuming less, does that mean we're going to have less of an inflation push? So many questions here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does, does print um, quite, a, quite a complicated picture. I mean, in the GDP data that we got uh, got, got a couple of days ago, I mean, obviously that dates back to that, back, that dates back to Q1. But um, you know, um, consumption strength was uh, was it was it was a decent part of uh, of that print. So you know, I mean, yeah, the consumption goods in the you know, in, in in the trade balance data, you sort of can't map them too too closely through to through to GDP, but I guess it does indicate that there could be a bit of a, a bit a bit of a change in in trends there to some extent. I mean, the the more notable detail in um, was in some of the exports, actually, funnily enough. I mean, particularly with the border reopening, international travel beginning to be resumed, we started to see uh, you know, sort of an increase in um, you know, in, in, in tourism in tourism exports there. Um, yeah. 
although I think um, you know we're still talking you know about five hundred eighty thousand people sort of arrived in Australia during April. Um, but much better than in a couple of years. But if you go back to pre-pandemic, you know we were pushing you know sort of almost um, sort of one and three quarter million people a month. So still a long way to a long way to go there. So to the extent that um, that picks up again, that's that's probably going to see a little bit of maybe upward pressure in the, in the trade balance going forward. Well, maybe maybe words go around. With, you know, we won't go just yet because it doesn't stop raining in Australia uh, lately. If you in New South Wales anyway, certainly. No, uh, look, the, uh, the Aussie. Wall, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wait for the weather to get a bit better. Look, the uh, Al, it was El Nino. Wait, wait till that's moved on. So the Aussie dollar, uh, very strong this morning. I mean, that could be related to those uh, those trade numbers. But I'm suggesting it's suspecting it's to do with the fact that we've got a, a weaker US dollar because we've got quite a fall on that today. The DN, uh, ID, uh, DXY index was up at 104.8 in early May, and it's down to 101.8 now. So, um, I mean, is that the direction now? Seems unlikely, doesn't it? But we've seen the euro showing strength, which seems curious because the ECB is, you know, dilly-dallying a bit on uh, on on getting those rates up to try and crack inflation. It's hard to imagine that the euro is going to keep on rising against the US dollar in those circumstances. Well, I think those rate differentials point to point to a good chunk of the story in, in both those directions. Um, you know, certainly the ECB is not talking anywhere near as hawkishly as as, as other banks, and for you know, and, and for good reason. Although, if you compare to where they were a couple of months ago, they're definitely you know, much more hawkish. Uh, in terms of where the US dollar that that US dollar weakness, I mean our. Our US, sorry, our, our FX colleagues that you, that you talk to more often than me, you know, they're very hesitant to to sort of start to to draw a you know, a, a trend line to, to to extrapolate from this at this point. I mean, to the extent that it's been, um, you know, sort of US rates moderation. I mean, you know, sure, we've seen Treasuries come down from three point one to two point seven, but you know, you're back above two point nine now, so those yield differential. Yield differentials are sort of starting to starting to turn around a little bit to the extent that it's about China reopening. Um, um, sure, that 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 is happening, but we're still seeing that coming. You know, amidst the sort of zero COVID becoming presumably even more entrenched now, given it's given it's had some success. But um, yeah, the sort of longer run limitations around mobility and, and, and maybe economic performance have still got to be seen what it's like when you've got you know, massive populations in, in urban centres that, that need to be tested every 48 it's hours. It's very slow and, progress. And that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so look, home loans for Australia today, uh, down, I assume, investment lending for April, they could be on the rise, perhaps. I mean, we've been talking about, you know, this this dichotomy about, uh, you know, rents might be going up, house prices might be going down. So great opportunity for investors. So we'll see. We'll be able to put that to the test, that theory to the test today. But look, it's the United States, isn't it? That's the, that's the key one tonight. Uh, we mentioned it already, the non-farm payrolls and particularly the uh, the average hourly earnings up 5.5% year on year in May. So how are the job numbers themselves going? And are we seeing any weakness in that growth in, in earnings? We'd like to see, we'd like to see both, wouldn't we? We'd like to see jobs down and earnings down a little bit i guess to, to the extent that um that that reduces pressure on the on the fed that, that that would be the good that would be the good outcome um although i guess half the half the issue with inflation at the moment is the extent to which it's been a massive um you know, massive supply side shock so the job side doesn't doesn't change that too much in the in the short term so i um i, I think we'll still expect um brainard and um, particularly mr bullard and, and colleagues like that to be out there pushing the drum for for multiple 50s for for, for a little while yet. Nothing's going to stop them. All right, good talk, Ken. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll catch you again soon. Thanks. Yes, thanks, Phil. Nice one. And Sky is joining us on Monday morning. I'm back then too, of course. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you then.